section nineteen of atlantic narratives modern short stories second series published nineteen eighteen by the atlantic monthly press this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the boulevard of rogues by meredith nicholson nothing was ever funnier than barton's election to the city council however it occurs to me that if i'm going to speak of it at all i may as well tell the whole story at the university club where a dozen of us have met for luncheon every business day for many years barton's ideas on the subject of municipal reform were always received in the most contumelious fashion we shared his rage that things were as they were but as practical business men we knew that there was no remedy a city barton held should be conducted like any other corporation its affairs are so various and touch so intimately the comfort and security of all of us that it is imperative that they be administered by servants of indubitable character and special training he would point out that a citizen's rights and privileges are similar to those of a stockholder and that taxes are in effect assessments to which we submit only in the belief that the sums demanded are necessary to the wise handling of the public business that we should be as anxious for dividends in the form of efficient and economical service as we are for cash dividends in other corporations there is nothing foolish or unreasonable in these notions but most of us are not as ingenious as barton or as resourceful as he in finding means of realizing them barton is a lawyer and something of a cynic i have never known a man whose command of irony equalled his he usually employed it however with perfect good nature and it was impossible to ruffle him in the court-room i have seen him the target for attacks by a formidable array of opposing counsel and have heard him answer an hour's argument in an incisive reply compressed into ten minutes his suggestions touching municipal reforms we dismissed as impractical which was absurd for barton is essentially a practical man as his professional successes clearly proved before he was thirty he maintained that one capable man working alone could revolutionize a city's government if he set about it in the right spirit and he manifested the greatest scorn for movements committees of one hundred and that sort of thing he had no great confidence in the mass of mankind or in the soundness of the majority his ideas were we thought often fantastic but it could never be said that he lacked the courage of his convictions he once assembled round a mahogany table 
the presidents of the six principal banks and trust companies in our town and laid before them a plan by which through the smothering of the city's credit a particularly vicious administration might be brought to terms the city finances were in a bad way and as a result of a policy of wastefulness and short-sightedness the administration was constantly seeking temporary loans which the local banks were expected to carry barton dissected the municipal budget before the financiers and proposed that as another temporary accommodation was about to be asked they put the screws on the mayor and demand that he immediately force the resignations of all his important appointees and replace them with men to be designated by three citizens to be named by the bankers barton had carefully formulated the whole matter and he presented it with his usual clarity and effectiveness but rivalry between the banks for the city's business and fear of incurring the displeasure of some of their individual depositors who were closely allied with the bosses of the bipartisan machine caused the scheme to be rejected our lunch-table strategy board was highly amused by barton's failure which was just what we had predicted barton accepted his defeat with equanimity and spoke kindly of the bankers as good men but deficient in courage but in the primaries the following spring he got himself nominated for city councilman no one knew just how he had accomplished this of course as things go in our american cities no one qualified for membership in a university club is eligible for any municipal office and no man of our acquaintance had ever before offered himself for a position soiled through many years by ignoble use even more amazing than barton's nomination was barton's election our councilmen are elected at large and we had assumed that any strength he might develop in the more prosperous residential districts would be overbalanced by losses in industrial neighborhoods the results proved to be quite otherwise barton ran his own campaign he made no speeches but spent the better part of two months personally appealing to mechanics and laborers usually in their homes or on their doorsteps he was at pains to keep out of the newspapers and his own party organization he is a republican gave him only the most grudging support we joked him a good deal about his election to an office that promised nothing to a man of his character but annoyance and humiliation his associates on the council were machine men who had no knowledge whatever of enlightened methods of conducting cities the very terminology in which municipal government is discussed by the informed was as strange to them as sanskrit his republican colleagues cheerfully ignored him and shut him out of their caucuses 
the democrats resented his appearance in the council chamber as an unwarranted intrusion almost an indelicacy to use barton's own phrase the biggest joke of all was barton's appointment to the chairmanship of the committee on municipal art that this was the only recognition his associates accorded to the keenest lawyer in the state a man possessing a broad knowledge of municipal methods gathered in every part of the world was ludicrous it must be confessed but barton was not in the least disturbed and continued to suffer our chaff with his usual good humor barton is a secretive person but we learned later that he had meekly asked the president of the council to give him this appointment and it was conferred upon him chiefly because no one else wanted it there being obviously nothing in municipal art discernible to the bleared eye of the average councilman about that time old sam follinsby died bequeathing half a million dollars twice as much as anybody knew he had to be spent on fountains and statues in the city parks and along the boulevards the many attempts of the administration to divert the money to other uses the efforts of the mayor to throw the estate into the hands of a hungry trust company in which he had friends these matters need not be recited here suffice it to say that barton was equal to all the demands made upon his legal genius when the estate was settled at the end of a year barton had won every point Follinsby's money was definitely set aside by the court as a special fund for the objects specified by the testator and barton as the chairman of the committee on municipal art had so tidied up in a legal mesh of his own ingenious contriving that it was to all intents and purposes subject only to his personal check it was now that barton long irritated by the indifference of our people to the imperative need of municipal reform devised a plan for arousing the apathetic electorate a philosopher as well as a connoisseur in the fine arts he had concluded that our whole idea of erecting statues to the good and noble serves no purpose in stirring patriotic impulses in the bosoms of beholders there were plenty of statues and not a few tablets in our town commemorating great-souled men but they suffered sadly from public neglect and it must be confessed that the average statue no matter how splendid the achievements of its subject is little regarded and serves only passively as a reminder of public duty with what has seemed to me a sublime cynicism barton proceeded to spend follinsby's money in a manner at once novel and arresting he commissioned one of the most distinguished sculptors in the country to design a statue and at the end of his second year in the council he had been elected for four years 
it was set up on the new boulevard that parallels the river his choice of a subject had never been made known so that curiosity was greatly excited on the day of the unveiling barton had brought the governor of an adjoining state who was just then much in the public eye as a fighter of grafters to deliver the oration it was a speech with a sting to it but our people had long been hardened to such lashings the mayor spoke in praise of the civic spirit which had impelled follinsby to make so large a bequest to the public and then before five thousand persons a little schoolgirl pulled the cord and the statue a splendid creation in heroic bronze was exposed to the amazed populace i shall not undertake to depict the horror and chagrin of the assembled citizens when they beheld instead of the statue of Fallensby, which they were prepared to see or a symbolic representation of the city itself as a flower-crowned maiden the familiar pudgy figure reproduced with the most cruel fidelity of mike o'grady known as silent mike a big bipartisan boss who had for years dominated municipal affairs and who had but lately gone to his reward the inscription in itself was an ironic masterstroke to michael p o'grady protector of saloons friend of crooks for ten years a city councilman dominating the affairs of the municipality this statue is erected by grateful fellow-citizens in recognition of his public services the effect of this was tremendously disturbing as may be imagined every newspaper in america printed a picture of the o'grady statue our rival cities made merry over it at our expense the chamber of commerce incensed at the affront to the city's good name passed resolutions condemning barton in the bitterest terms the local press howled a mass meeting was held in our biggest hall to voice public indignation but amid the clamor barton remained calm pointing to the stipulation in Fallensby's will that his money should be spent in memorials of men who had enjoyed most fully the confidence of the people and as o'grady had been permitted for years to run the town about as he liked with only feeble protests and occasional futile efforts to get rid of him barton was able to defend himself against all comers six months later barton set up on the same boulevard a handsome tablet commemorating the services of a mayor whose venality had brought the city to the verge of bankruptcy and who when his term of office expired had betaken himself to parts unknown this was greeted with another outburst of rage much to barton's delight after a brief interval another tablet was placed on one of the river bridges 
the building of that particular bridge had been attended with much scandal and the names of the councilmanic committee who were responsible for it were set forth over these figures cost to the people forty nine thousand dollars cost to the council thirty one thousand two hundred seventy two dollars and eighty one cents graft seventeen thousand seven hundred twenty seven dollars and nineteen cents the figures were exact and a matter of record an impudent prosecuting attorney who had broken with the machine had laid them before the public some time earlier but his efforts to convict the culprits had been frustrated by a judge of the criminal court who took orders from the bosses barton broke his rule against talking through the newspapers by issuing a caustic statement imploring the infuriated councilmen to sue him for libel as they threatened to do the city was beginning to feel the edge of barton's little ironies at the club we all realized that he was animated by a definite and high purpose in thus flaunting in enduring bronze the shame of the city it is to such men as these said barton referring to the gentleman he had favored with his statue and tablets that we confide all our affairs for years we have stupidly allowed a band of outlaws to run our town they spend our money they hitch the saloons and brothels to the city hall and manage in their own way large affairs that concern all of us these scoundrels are our creatures and we encourage and foster them they represent us and our ideals and it's only fitting that we should publish their merits to the world while barton was fighting half a dozen injunction suits brought to thwart the further expenditure of follinsby's money for memorials of men of notorious misfeasance or malfeasance another city election rolled round by this time there had been a revulsion of feeling the people began to see that after all there might be a way of escape even the newspapers that had most bitterly assailed barton declared that he was just the man for the mayoralty and he was fairly driven into office at the head of a non-partisan municipal ticket the boulevard of rogues we called it for a time but after barton had been in the mayor's office a year he dumped the o'grady statue into the river destroyed the tablets and returned to the follinsby fund out of his own pocket the money he had paid for them three noble statues of honest patriots now adorn the boulevard and half a dozen beautiful fountains have been distributed among the parks the barton plan is i submit worthy of all emulation if every boss-ridden machine-managed american city could once visualize its shame and folly as barton compelled us to do there would be less complaint about the general failure of local government 
there is when you come to think of it nothing so preposterous in the idea of perpetuating in outward and visible forms the public servants we humbly permit to misgovern us nothing could be better calculated to quicken the civic impulse in the lethargic citizen than the enforced contemplation of a line of statues erected to the men he has allowed to govern him and spend his money i am a little sorry though that barton never carried out one of his plans which looked to the planting in the centre of a downtown park of a symbolic figure of the city felicitously expressed by a barroom loafer dozing on a beer keg i should have liked it and barton confessed to me the other day that he was a good deal grieved himself that he had not pulled it off end of story biographical and interpretive notes by charles swain thomas the boulevard of rogues meredith nicholson has won most of his popularity as a novelist he is however an accomplished essayist a poet of distinction and a keen critic of current literary and political matters more recently he has become interested in the writing of short stories his home is in indianapolis where he was privileged to enjoy for many years an intimate friendship with james whitcomb riley whose character mr nicholson has sympathetically portrayed in his novel the poet and in an illuminating essay in the atlantic monthly for october nineteen sixteen propaganda in such disguise needs no apology not only can we appreciate the cleverness of the trick as well as the earnestness of its author but we relish what a very good thing a similar lesson would be for our own or for our neighboring cities at the same time there is a worthwhile character study to be made of the chairman of the committee on art who presents a type almost as rare in fiction as it is in life suggested points for study and comment one the student will find it interesting to make a thorough study of barton's character his cynicism his practical good sense and all his other prominent traits a composition discussing all these could be made very interesting and enlightening two discuss the general political attitude of the average city councilman three in an examination of the plot what incident seems to you to mark the point of highest interest discuss fully four how is barton's character relieved from any final censure for the spending of money for a statue of a rogue End of the boulevard of rogues